Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Hey, happy Thanksgiving Sunday. If we haven't met yet, my name's Dan, and I'm one of the lead pastors here. I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving Sunday. It's just a fun celebratory time. I hope you guys didn't get too relaxed because I need you guys to stand up. Stand up. We are going to play a game. I am an ex-youth pastor, um, and I still, I guess youth pastor never really leaves you, I don't think. So um, so we're going to play a little game that's called Stay Standing If, all right? So there are prizes involved if you win this game, but don't cheat. So here's how it works. I say stay standing if you are human. Oh, you guys are great. Great job. So everybody stayed standing because they're human. So if you've done the thing then you stay standing. If not, then you sit down. If I say stay standing, if you're an alien, then you would have to reveal yourself if you're an alien because everybody would be sitting down. So here we go. Stay standing if you've ever helped make anything for Thanksgiving, like a Thanksgiving dinner item. You've helped make something. Some people are already getting a limit. Oh! I, I didn't think about the shame, guys. I'm so sorry. You came to church to get shamed. I'm so sorry. You prefer, stay standing if you prefer turkey over ham. Turkey over ham, stay standing. Stay standing if Thanksgiving is in your top three holidays of the year. Stay standing if Thanksgiving is in your top two holidays of the year. Top two. Stay standing if you like pumpkin pie. Just, you just have to like it. That's all. I had to eliminate you guys because I love pumpkin pie. Uh, stay standing if you've ever hosted a Thanksgiving dinner. If you've hosted Thanksgiving dinner, stay standing. If you think Thanksgiving is in your top one holiday, is your favorite holiday of the year, stay standing. Ooh, lots of people. Christmas, Christmas. Wow, look at that. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Um, that, those are all the ones I have. And here are your prizes. You guys ready? Oh, don't get too excited. Turkey hats for you guys. So look, those of you that are standing, here you go. Turkey hat for you. Turkey hat for you. You guys, you guys sat down pretty quick. Turkey hat. Now, there's, there's no obligation to wear this turkey hat, but... Greg wants to lead worship with this turkey hat on. I don't, I don't know what Jesus would say about it. I think he's cool with it. It's good. Josh is wearing the turkey hat. Yes, everybody give it up for Josh. You're brave. For me, Thanksgiving is one of my all-time favorite holidays. It is tied with Christmas for me. I couldn't put it above Christmas. I can't put it below Christmas. For me, I think it came when like, I was a kid and it was that holiday for us where the extended family got together, and it was every year. You did not skip Thanksgiving. And so aunts, uncles would get together. It was, just, it was just a really fun time for me. And it was that time where I got to have all the dessert I could ever want and a can of pop. And I was like, yes, this is a great holiday. And now, as I've matured, you know, I've thought a little bit more about Thanksgiving and it's a holiday where I get to have as much dessert as I want, and I get to have two cans of pop now. And, and it's just that theme of thankfulness in my life, where I can look back on the 
last year and see what I have to be thankful for. I've learned the, the value of gratitude in my life. We're going to use today the theme of thanksgiving to orient our heart towards Jesus and who he is in our life, what he's done in our lives. You know, gratitude is this theme all throughout the Bible. It's one of the major themes. We see it over and over and over and over again in the Bible. And it's something that God knows is good for us. And so he says, do it. Do the thankfulness thing. And so we do it, and it's good for our souls. And science, of course, is catching up to this. And they're figuring out that gratitude is great too. Um, and they, they started doing studies. Uh, UC Berkeley has done a few studies on gratitude, and every one of them has found that uh, mental and physical health uh, comes from being grateful. You get all these benefits. Here's one of the things they said from one of these studies. Benefits associated with gratitude include better sleep, more exercise, reduced symptoms of physical pain, lower levels of inflammation, lower blood pressure, and a host of other things we associate with better health. So just from being thankful, these people got all these benefits. Of course, it does not take a neuroscience degree to figure out that thankfulness is good for us. So I've got five things for you today to be thankful for. Like you're sitting here today, you can be thankful for these things. And we're going to get all these things from Luke chapter 15. And this is the story of the lost son. Or I think it's more popularly known as the prodigal son. And we're going to look at this story and we're going to go through it. And I'll admit to you that Jesus' main message in this story is not to be thankful. But I think we can look through this story and say, oh yeah, I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful for this. I can be thankful for that. And so that's what we're going to do today. So let's jump in. We'll read the first couple of verses here. Uh, This is Luke chapter 15, and I'm starting in verse 11. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money with wild living. This story, like many stories, starts off with brokenness. A son is telling his father, I wish you were dead. I want all your money so I can go party. And not only does this shame the son, but this also shames the father as well, especially in an honor-oriented society like they were in. This would be incredibly shameful to the father as well, not just privately in his own family, but also publicly. Like his community would know about this and they would look at him like he's a disgraceful father that he would even consider such a thing. But, his, but this father, he doesn't let on to that. Um, scripture doesn't say this specifically, but I don't think it's too much to, to look at this father and say that he was living with peace about him. He was willing to give this inheritance away, and he did it with peace. He was living as though he was not the final authority in all things, but that there is a higher power, that God's in control and watching over his family, even in these extremely broken circumstances. 
And so that's the first point of gratitude that we can pick up from this story, that no matter what our circumstances are, God, we can be thankful that God is in control. God's got this. Whatever you're going through right now, God's got this. And we can be thankful for that. Uh, here's a, a couple more verses that describe, describes God's interaction and control over our lives. Psalm 125 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Those mountains were seen as protection, natural protection around Jerusalem. Uh, Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Speaking to physical sickness and pain there. Deuteronomy 31, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So in every situation, we can be thankful that God's in control, that he's got this. Maybe you're experiencing brokenness in your family, like, like this scripture is. You can be confident that God's got this. Maybe you're the one, like this father might be, praying for a son or a daughter or a relative that says, this is out of my control, but God, you've got this. Look over my son or daughter. Or maybe you were that son or daughter a while ago or now, and people are praying over you, saying, God, Take control of my son or daughter. You control their situation. Look after them. Protect them. There's nothing that I can do. And you're sitting here today as a miracle testament to what God's done in your life. So whether it's relational brokenness, God's got this. Financial crisis, God's got this. Career and job turmoil, God's got this. We can be thankful that God protects and surrounds his people both now and forevermore. God's got this. Let's go back to the story, see what happens next. After the, after the time his money, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. I think it would help us to understand, I know it'll help us to understand the story better if we know exactly who Jesus is talking to. And so if we go back to uh, Luke 15 and look at this first verse, we can see who he's talking to. So it says, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they asked him, why do you just, uh, I'm in Matthew 15. I have to go to Luke 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. So Jesus tells them the story of the lost son. He's telling these religious people, the, the religious elite, the people who had it all together. This is who Jesus is talking to for this lost son story. And right before that, Jesus tells two more stories. He tells this parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. The lost sheep, the shepherd drops everything 
and he goes and he looks for his sheep, he finds it, and he celebrates. Woohoo! Then there's a story of the lost coin. This woman loses one of her valuable coins, and she destroys her house looking for it, just tears it all up. She finds it, she celebrates. You know, I was thinking like, we're not shepherds anymore, and I was thinking kind of like, what, how does this, what's the modern day story of this? And uh, this story came to my mind. Liz's birthday was uh, three weeks ago now. And Liz, she's one of the most disciplined people I know. Here's how I know this, is because when she gets a birthday card early, like before her birthday, it comes in the mail, she doesn't open it. She saves it for her birthday. Anybody else save their cards for your birthday? Raise your hands. Anybody that disciplined? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of you out there. Not me. No way. I open that thing right away. I let that money fall out. You know, I, I'm just kidding. I read it first. Um, so she saved it. So the morning of her birthday, she's opening her presents and her cards, and she opens one card. It's got some money in it, and it's got a nice note. We put it to the side, and the next morning, we're looking for that card. She's like, I can't find that card. And so we kind of looked in every place that it should be, the, the mail slot, you know, or the, the junk drawer, wherever we might put things. We're like, we can't find it. So then we thought, uh-oh, what if it's in the trash can? What if we put it with all the wrapping paper in the trash can? So I went and got the bags out of the trash can, the two bags we had used the earlier day, and we started opening them, going through them, and we found it. And we celebrated. We found the card wrapped, like crunched with all the wrapping paper. It just got thrown away. You know, to the people that Jesus is talking to, the religious elite, their, their thought is that, here's, this is their thoughts, not Jesus's, that you obey God and therefore you win his favor and love. But Jesus is presenting a view here where God is seeking us because he already loves us. And even... And, and that's even when we're lost. And because he loves us, when we return to him, there is rejoicing in every one of these stories. There's a celebration. And that's the second point of gratitude today, that we can be thankful that God rejoices over us. God rejoices over you, like a party. That's really exciting. So let's go back to the lost son. With the knowledge of who Jesus is talking to, Jesus has just told them that this wasteful son squandered all of his money and now he's broke, he's starving, and he's feeding pigs. And the people listening to this story, they're like, yeah, that's it, Jesus. Woo, high five. Yes, that is exactly how that story should end, Jesus. That is a great story. That guy got what he deserved, right? He... <laughs> He got what he deserved. He's, he's eating with the pigs now. That's exactly what that guy deserves. That's, that's what these religious leaders are thinking. But of course, Jesus isn't done yet. And so he continues with this story. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, way off in the distance, his father sees him coming, 
Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. You notice when the love and compassion happen here? It's immediate. It's already present. Even before the son can apologize or get a word out, there is love for him. There's compassion for the tattered state that he's in. The father doesn't know that there's going to be an apology. Who knows? Maybe the son's coming home to say, hey, dad, I need more money. I ran out. He doesn't know, but he greets him with love and compassion. It doesn't matter to him. He just sees his son, and he's thrilled to see him because of his love for him. Do you see what this means for us, for me and for you? That you can be in the deepest sin. You can have your back completely turned on God. You can be in the middle of running as fast as you can from God, and he still loves you. He still has compassion on you for the tattered state you're in. So even as you're sitting here right now, maybe you know an area or your whole life is your, your back is turned on God and you know this, you can still sit right here and thank God, even in that state. You can say, God, I am thankful that you love me and that you have compassion for me. You can thank God even before you repent, even before you say, God, I'm done with my ways. I want to live for you now. You can thank God for loving you and having compassion on you. Even if you have no intentions of saying sorry to him or living for him, you can still thank him right here today that he loves you and has compassion for you. There's a verse in Romans, Romans 5.8, it says this, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, or maybe like Luke might say here for this story, while we were still living wildly, while we were still squandering all of our Father's inheritance, Christ died for us. He loved us and died for us while we were still doing our own thing. So gratitude point number three, we can be thankful that no matter our posture towards God, he has love and compassion for us in all situations. Let's keep going. Verse 21, uh, his son said to him, Father, here comes the apology now. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. This is gratitude point number four, that we can be thankful that we are forgiven and restored immediately. You see how fast that happens? Immediately after the son says sorry, he's forgiven and restored. Like forgiveness is great. That's like a bonus. Yes, I'm forgiven. That's awesome. And then being restored as a son, that's amazing. That's like a bonus on top of a bonus. And then you've got it that it happens immediately. That's a bonus on top of a bonus on top of a bonus. And that's what God does for us. There's no question there's no, okay, let me think about it. It's done. You're forgiven. If I was that dad, here's what I would say. 
I would, I would hear the apology first. Maybe I, I might give a hug first, but then I would hear the apology and say, you know what, do you really mean this? You promise not to do it again? And, and you know what, um, that's a good idea. That's a good idea that you be my servant for a little bit. You show me your loyalty for a, a, a couple of years or X amount of time, and then I'll think about calling you my son again. I don't want to be made a fool again. And so the father demonstrates his forgiveness by restoring the son. He doesn't have to show his devotion first. You don't have to show your devotion to God first. That's religion. When you have to do all X, Y, and Z to earn the favor of God, that's religion. And that's not what Jesus is about here. So this father demonstrates his forgiveness by restoring his son to be a person of significance, of authority in his estate. That ring that he puts on his finger, that's a signet ring. That means that this son can now hire and fire people. He can go borrow money. He can loan money. He can do stuff on the, on the, on the behalf of his father's estate. And to that, I'm like, this father, do you, not, do you have the memory of a goldfish? Do you not remember what just happened with your son? He just squandered all of your money. You can't give him any authority. You can't totally restore him as your son. But God's heart is love. God's heart is compassion. God's heart is forgiveness. God's heart is restoring. And so today, we can be thankful that as we turn to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive and restore us immediately as his sons and daughters to represent him in the world. There's no waiting period. There's no show me your loyalty. There's no do X, Y, and Z. We're immediately his son and daughter. Let's keep going. This is verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working when he returned home. He heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants, hey, what's going on in there? Your, your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, like begged him to come celebrate. But he replied, all of, you, all of these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back, after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead, and he's come back to life. He was lost. But now he is found. The brokenness of this family reveals itself again, just in a new way. I know we don't want to, but I think we can all identify with this older brother. These feelings of selfish jealousy. We've all been there. We've wanted things that we see in other people's lives for ourselves. We think we deserve them because we've done religious things. We've followed God this way, this way, and this way. So we deserve to have something. But what Jesus wants to teach here is that this isn't the time for jealousy, but a time of celebration. Something has wonderful, something wonderful has happened 
in his family. And the father has a great desire for his other son to join in the celebration. That's his heart. And so the fifth point of gratitude that we can be grateful for is that the goodness, uh, that we can thank God for the goodness, for his goodness in other people's lives. And so as we gather this week with family, friends, whoever that may be in, in the next month with, uh, you know, whatever Christmas parties you got coming up or Christmas itself, we get together with people and we naturally kind of talk about what's good in life, don't we? Talk about like, hey, what's going good for you? What's going good for me? And you kind of tell everybody what you're doing. And oftentimes we just, we're like, yeah, that's great. Good for you. That's cool. And we don't think much of it. Sometimes we can get jealous, like when Cousin Jeff gets a new boat and you're like, oh man, I, I need a new boat, right? So there's like the jealousy and then there's the neutral part of it, right? What if we moved from jealousy, uh, not just to be neutral about something, but then joining in a celebration of thanking God for that? So what if when Cousin Jeffrey says he, he got his raise or whatever and you, and you didn't and that kind of hits you a little bit? What if... You go home that night and you just say, God, thanks for what you're doing in Jeffrey's life. I celebrate that that success is happening for him. Or what if you took it a step further and just in that moment did like a 10-second prayer and said, Jeff, can I just thank God for that? Cousin, cousin Jeffrey, God, we're so thankful for Cousin Jeffrey for what you're doing. Thank you for how you've blessed him and we just ask for more of that, God, in his life. Amen. Done. What if that was our reaction? We joined in the celebration of what God's doing in other people's lives, especially, as this story is saying, spiritually. When great spiritual things are happening, we join in that celebration of what God's doing because that is what the Father in this story and the heavenly, our Heavenly Father really desires, that we would join in the celebration of what He's doing in other people's lives. So our five things. We can be thankful that God's got this. We can be thankful that God rejoices over us. We can be thankful that God loves us and has compassion for us in all circumstances, no matter what. We can be thankful that we are forgiven and restored immediately. And we can be thankful for the goodness of God in the lives of those around us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thanks for Thanksgiving. Thanks for the season where we just look back and say thank you for everything that you've provided, everything that you are to us and do for us. And whether we know it or not, a lot of times we don't know how you're working. Um, and so we just thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for these spiritual things that you showed us in this story that we can be thankful for. You're an amazing God. And we love you. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.